Well, hello there. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Be sure to follow the Physicians Committee. That's on Twitter, at PCRM. Like them on Facebook as well. Me, I'm at Chuck Carroll, WLC. Good for both Twitter and Instagram. Growing old. Who really wants to do it? Wrinkles, gray hair. Everybody kind of wants to turn back time, or at least delay Father Time's arrival. You know, a 2012 Adventist health study finds that vegetarians live significantly longer. Maybe this is the key. Women by six years, and men add nearly a decade of life compared to non-vegetarians. Not to mention that those who don't eat meat, don't eat dairy, weigh about 30 pounds less and have a far lower risk of diabetes. Now, all of that adds up to living a high-quality, high-functioning life well into your 80s and beyond. Recently spoke to two women who are well on their way, Tracy McWhorter and her mother, Mary. This is a remarkable family who have been eating a plant-based diet for three decades. I caught up with them on location at the Physicians Committee's Vegan This Event in Washington, D.C. And I got to tell you, the mom and daughter, they are a couple of modern-day Ponce de Leons. Because to look at them is to know that, yes, indeed, the fountain of youth does exist. And they have a new cookbook out. And it's called, wait for it, The Ageless Vegan. I got to tell you, they're not lying. Here now, my conversation with Tracy and Mary McWhorter. The Exam Room Podcast on location, Vegan This, Wilson High School in Washington, D.C. If you've been listening to The Exam Room for any length of time, you know that I am a huge, huge fan of success stories. And we've talked to a lot of people that have switched to a plant-based diet. They've lost a ton of weight. We've seen them come off of their medication. It's always been just one individual. But my guests tonight are a mother-daughter duo that have adopted a plant-based diet and now have just catapulted to vegan celebrity. And so with that, we welcome to the show Tracy and Mary McWhorter. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I know we're, we're sharing a microphone tonight, so your mother and daughter, your family, don't be afraid to kind of cozy <laughs> right up to that. Okay. But I, I want to start with this. Um, it's been three decades that you two have been plant-based. Who... who who made the change first? I made the change first. This is Tracy, the daughter of the duo. And um, I started in 1986 because of a lecture at my college by um, Dick Gregory at Amherst College my sophomore year. But my mother was always health conscious. So um, she planted the earliest seeds. So while we were omnivores, you know, we didn't have a lot of junk. We didn't have sugary uh, breakfast foods. We didn't have sodas. Dessert was once a week. So um, my mom really is was the was the start of it, for sure. And what about you? What got you started on the healthy eating kick? Well, what started me was when I first got pregnant with my first child. I wanted to have a healthy pregnancy, mm-hmm. so I started reading books on, on how to have a healthy pregnancy. From That's what gave me the start. Simple as that. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys were ahead of your time because now I just, as a matter of fact, did a show on healthy vegan parenting. And one of the things was, yes, it is absolutely possible to be on a plant-based diet during pregnancy and just the health benefits that come with that. And that's 2018. And so here you're talking about 30 years ago. You're, you're quite the forward thinker, ma'am. Well, actually, my she wasn't vegan though. Just no, health I was health conscious. Yeah. I should say health yeah. conscious, right. but still ahead of the time. Ahead of the time, uh, the two of you just come out with a new cookbook. I mean, thirty years. I would imagine you have just dozens and dozens of recipes. You've compiled it into one hundred for ageless vegan: the secret to living a long and healthy plant-based life. What inspired the cookbook? Are, are you Tracy just super creative in the kitchen? Uh, depends. <laughs> depends on the depends day? Depends on the day. Depends on the mood. Um, I'm not a chef. So, I, you know, I'm a public health nutritionist. Um, but I love to cook. My mom loves to cook. Uh, she taught me and my two older sisters how to cook early on. So I've always cooked. Um, and with this book, there are 100 recipes based on our favorite um our favorite foods over the three decades and they're all whole foods they're all um you know pretty much simple ingredients simple to make easy to prepare because that's how we cook so um it's you know my first book came out in 2010 and that was more of a manifesto why to do it and this is more our personal stories and how we do it and then the the recipes that we that we use do you have a favorite in there a favorite recipe. A favorite, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got a favorite. Yeah, I have a favorite, and it's a dessert. It's a fabulous pecan pie. Yeah. Perfect pecan Perfect pie. Pecan pie. Perfect pecan, pecan, pecan pie. pie. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is my favorite, too, honestly. <laughs> it's really good. It's, it was, when I was growing up, my mother made the best pecan pie. Of course, she used dairy, uh-huh. but I had to learn how to cook it without dairy. Well, let me tell you, that uh, that just sings to the southern boy in me. I mean, pecan pie, I remember eating that growing up. I mean, that was better than apple pie. Yes, yes. That was better than pumpkin pie. It was better yes. than cherry pie. Give me the pecan pie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a pecan tree in our yard, so we just got the pecans from the tree. Ooh, look at you. And by the way, <laughs> if you pick up this book, I will tell you right now that that recipe is on page 219, bookmark it. Um, you said... Tracy, that you got a chance to tell your stories a little bit in the book. And and looking at the introduction, it says that by being vegan, you're really able to incorporate a lot of your passions, one of which is social justice. So I'm curious how those two tie together. Well, um, food is a social justice issue. And um, I think that that's the way that I learned it from Dick Gregory when he came to my campus to talk about it. Um, He talked about the politics, the economics, the culture of food. And so when I uh, talk about it, that's what I talk about. I talk about how to make it affordable, where to shop, how to make it accessible, why people should change the way they eat, and why people eat the way they do. A lot of people think that vegans are the food police, but really it's the food industry that is dictating what we eat. Um, And so I really, and so I want people to make that connection, that it's not just about, you know, putting a plate on the table. There's an industry, there's politics, there's food justice behind that. And so um, for me, it's it's always been connected. 
Um, and then the other thing is for activists themselves, folks who are out here organizing and resisting and doing social justice work, it's important for us to fuel ourselves with nutritious food so that we can do social justice work as long as we want to do it. And in the three decades since you've adopted that plant-based diet, I would imagine that you have seen some progress with these so-called food deserts out there. There's still many miles to climb, but can you talk to me a little bit about the progress that you have seen? Yes. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's, a, there's a lot of progress that has been made for sure over these three decades that I've been um, vegan and been interested in these issues. There are a lot of organizations and people that work on these issues. <clears throat> but I also want to say that um, even uh, back in the, from the 50s and the 60s, the, um, in low-income communities, people of color, they were finding a way to bring more nutritious foods to the community. So, for example, the Black Panther Party started the free breakfast and lunch programs. That's why we have them in public schools today. They, were, they weren't vegan, but they were conscious about them being more nutritious than what the kids um, had available. And people were growing their own food. They had co-ops. So it's always been there, you know, the consciousness and the, and the will, the desire to have healthy food available in low-income communities. It's just expanded. Um, you know, it's, it just grow, it's just grown exponentially over these past few decades. And Mary, what about you always being health conscious? What are some of the changes that you've noticed? Well, there's some changes that I've noticed that... Um, People, when I was growing up, I grew up on a farm, and people shared their food with each other. And I didn't notice that going to co-ops and stuff, people share and talk about what food they should eat. Mm-hmm. And, and that um, give other people a chance to learn about what they need to eat. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to ask kind of a fun question now. You make the switch first. How was that conversation when you were telling your mom about, hey, mom, I'm going vegan? She's already a healthy eater. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I told my wife that, she kind of looked at me and her jaw dropped. She's like, you already eat so healthy. And then I sit her down, you know, watch a couple documentaries. I go, ABCD, here's why we're doing this. But what was that conversation like for you two? Um, Well, for me, it was, uh, you know, after Dick Gregory's lecture, Mm -hmm. it it rocked my entire world, um, talking about why black folks in particular should be vegetarian. And so I immediately called my mom and one of my sisters, who was at Tufts University at the time, and said, I think I should go vegetarian. And this is why, you know, because of what Dick Gregory said. And I'll say that he traced the path of a hamburger from a cow on a factory farm through the slaughterhouse process, to a fast food restaurant, to a clogged artery, to a heart attack. So this is the conversation that I was having um, with my mom and my sister. And um, so a few months later, we, when I came home for the summer, we decided to research it, basically. Uh So it wasn't like, you know, she just said, my sister and my mom just said, okay, we're going to do it. We researched it. We wanted to find out more about it. Yeah. And I had already given up uh, pork, processed meat, um, beef, 
and I was still eating chicken and fish at the time and dairy. Yeah. How, how difficult was that for you to give up the chicken and the and the rest of well, it? Well, it was it wasn't that difficult because um, I was looking at a program on uh, PBS and they were telling you how uh, chicken was uh, processed. So they would uh, cut the bad part off and then sell the rest. So what I did, I had some chicken in my freezer, so I just went and threw my chicken out. <laughs> just like that. Just there it goes. Yes. Okay. So, and, but at that time, I was eating fish, and after I learned that fish was harmful and it was swam in polluted water, so that was it. Cheese was the hardest part for me. And cheese... Uh Obviously, you're here tonight, so you're familiar with Dr. Barnard, and he wrote that book, The Cheese Trap. I had him on this show a few months ago, and he walked me through why cheese is so addicting. Did you know that there's a a chemical compound in there called casomorphine that is as addictive as, well, not as addictive, I should say, but a, a percentage as addictive as a narcotic? Think about it. Morphine is in there. Mm. That's a narcotic. Right. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? So that's probably why you and a lot of other people have such a hard time laying off the queso. Right. Absolutely. And if you think about it, um, I mean, it's like sugar, right? Mm-hmm. People are people um, don't realize that they're addicted to sugar. That it has, a, you know, a similar um, has a drug-like effect and. You know, we're not conscious of that. But once you once it's explained to you what it does to the body, hopefully you will start to um, want to change and start going down that road. But absolutely, you have to know what what the what's in the food and also how the food is produced and how cruel it is. That's that's what did it for me. Cheese was my hardest also. Mm-hmm. And I had and I realized that I was always going to love the taste and smell of cheese. So I had to make a mental decision that it wasn't worth the health risks. Yeah, I remember when I was 420 pounds. That's kind of my claim to fame is losing wow. all of this weight. Wow. Yeah, good for you. Well, thank you. Um, I, I was a full-blown food addict, and, and Taco Bell. I've said this many times was my vice. And now we're talking about it, and just for the first time, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, cheese was in every single item that I would order. I wonder uh, if that was a big part of why I couldn't go a day without it. I probably so. I would think so. Absolutely. Yes. It was it was your drug of choice, but mm-hmm. you weren't aware of it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, am I glad I kicked that habit? Absolutely. <laughs> fabulous. Good for you. You two look fabulous. Now, girl, right before we started taping, you told me your age. No woman has ever come up to me and said, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm this this many years old. That's a first. <laughs> and that number that you told me, I would never believe it. Like, I would think that you and I could have gone to high school together. I'm 35. Matter of fact, you could tell me that you graduated a couple years after me, and I would have oh, believed it. No, indeed. But thank you. I'll take it. I'm 51. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. We're going to put your pictures up on PCRM.org slash podcast. Also tweet them at PCRM. It's just unbelievable. And you, ma'am. I'm 81. 81. I'm telling you, you don't look a day over 60. I, I mean, you look like right now you could put on a pair of sneakers and go run around that track that's outside. She uh, I can. Do you? you, you I you, do two hours of exercise five days a week. Woo, look I at you I do Pilates, Tai Chi, 
you aerobics. No. Come on, girl. What are you, a personal trainer? Is that your side hustle? <laughs> no, I just love it. I walk. Yeah, I've been doing it. I've been walking forever. Good for you. Yeah, you keep that up. Yeah, you're going to live forever. You keep that up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she exercises more than I do, for sure. Um, And uh, I hope she's my inspiration. I hope, seriously, I hope to be that healthy and fit and active, you know, 30 years on. I'm telling you. I do, too. You're running circles around me. That's just unbelievable. Tracy and Mary McWhorter, the book is Ageless Vegan, The Secret to Living a Long and Healthy Plant-Based Life, available at all bookstores? Everywhere books are sold, online and in stores, yep. Awesome. Are you uh, social media, do the Instagram, the Twitters, all that good stuff? By Any Greens Necessary is uh, my website, at By Any Greens is where you can find me on social media. You two are the best. And honestly, if you wanted to make some extra cash, you could go set up a booth on the street, maybe in front of a metro station here in Washington, (laughs) and have people try to guess your age. And I guarantee you will walk away instant millionaires. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We should try that this summer. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, wow. Seriously. Just wow. I can't tell you what a privilege it was to speak with the McWhorters. Just an unbelievable family. And so happy. They were both just beaming and had a smile that was a mile wide. A couple of housekeeping notes real quick. We will be putting a link up on pcrm.org slash podcast to the Adventist Health Study that I referenced at the top of the show. 96,000 participants in that one. The data, irrefutable. A plant-based diet can significantly increase your lifespan. It gives you the opportunity to see how your grandchildren will grow up, how they'll walk down the aisle. Maybe you can even become a great-grandma or a great-grandpa yourself. We'll also be putting a link up to Tracy and Mary's Ageless Vegan Cookbook. And if you're interested in getting started on a plant-based diet, the Physicians Committee always has new Food for Life courses starting up across the country. Maybe you're just looking for some new recipes or adding to your circle of vegan friends. They're going to teach you how to whip up some dishes and healthy recipes in the kitchen. Maybe you'll even master some of the McWhorter's dishes. Perhaps you're new to the whole plant-based diet thing and want to know how to do it. For that, we have a 21-day Kickstart Vegan program. That's online and something that you can start anytime. PCRM.org is where you need to go for that. But I need to go for now. We'll be back with the full episode later this week. I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening to the Exam Room Podcast. Brought to you by the Physicians Committee.